Victory Podcast. Another dominating week for the number one offense in the NFL. Yes, I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans. I, I cannot believe in 2020 we are talking about the Titans as one of the best offenses in football, but we are. Uh, my name is Austin Nelson. Welcome into the second of Victory Podcast. I am with my fellas, Brett Batchelor, who is in his car because he is about it and he is going above all measures to make sure he's on this podcast today. Brett, what's up? And Chris, you are here with me in your studio. What's up, guys? How's it going? What's going on? Uh, Merry early Christmas. Look, I want to set one thing straight real quick. I'm not I'm not driving. I'm not driving. I'm staying safe. I'm staying safe. That is important. All right. Thank you for, uh, for, for letting the viewers know that. Listeners know that. Um, well, guys, Merry early Christmas to you. Um, we got a very early Christmas present Sunday with the Titans beating the shit out of the Lions, frankly. is Just the best way, best decimation. Way. Yeah. Just best decimated them. Um, before we get started into the podcast, stop what you're doing, hit pause, and make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Second and Victory, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Megaphone. Uh, we are brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. Um, but let's just kind of dive into it, guys. I mean, the Titans, um, like I said, just dominated the Lions um, from the get-go, really. Um, a really, really solid first drive um, to start the game. Um it's kind of been the the, the um, highlight of the Titans offense in the first quarter. It used to be the Titans could never score the opening drive. It's happened, I think, six times now this season. Um, so Arthur Smith is really – the offense is putting together a really good game plan to uh, set the tone, um, start games. And so whenever you go up 7-0 on your first drive, you're going to kind of, you know, hopefully set the tone for the entire game. Um, but, Brett, what did you, you like most about, you know, the first drive and just kind of the first half in general for the Titans? I think I'm going to go right back to what I said last week about enjoying the first half is we knew what we were going to get from the first two drives of the game. We, we talked, we hit on all three of us hit on it last week about Austin. You just mentioned how the Titans are slow. They, they start slow. This team doesn't do that. And when the Titans drove right down the field on the first drive of the game, Derek Henry scored. Detroit came right back and scored. But right after that, uh, Ryan Tannehill to Corey Davis, 75 yards. You knew that it was going to be the high-flying offense, and that's what I really enjoyed. When you see the offense clicking early, you know that while the defense is still struggling a little bit, you don't have to worry about it as much, and the offense will keep you in the game. Really, the long show, too, putting up 46 points throughout the entire game. Yeah, the uh, the offense coming out clicking, I think, is huge. It's We're, what, 7-1, and one, I think, when the, the offense uh, scores first? Exactly. That's, that's excellent. I mean, you know, I think it, it really helps set, set a tone early on. Uh, and we know this team can play from behind, but when they're playing with a lead uh, and, and you can just run Derek down the other team's throat, uh, th that's huge. Um, and they proved that on Sunday uh, because they, you know, they got the early lead. I know the Lions came back and scored, but the yeah. Titans came back and scored right after that. And it kind of set, it set the tone, I think, really early on. I think I think we know by now that like the, the Titans defense is going going to give up some points, but the Titans offense can always keep up no matter what. Um, that's kind of what happened. You know, it was a 14-7 first quarter, and you're like, all right, what kind of game are we about to get? Um, Titans go out in the second quarter, score 10 more, um, and it was um, 24 to 15 at halftime. So um, 
just a really efficient game from a lot of offensive guys. Um, I, I, you can almost argue that this was the best game for the offense all season because a lot of guys scored in different ways. Um, Ryan Tannehill, 21 of 27 for 273, three passing touchdowns, and then two on the ground as well, and that one really long touchdown um, in the first half. His, his first career five-touchdown game. There you go. Mr. Regression, Mr. 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 Oh, Regression himself. All right. Um, so, um, absolutely stellar game by Ryan. And then Derek did Derek things, 24 carries, 147 yards, and one touchdown. I know a lot of uh, Derek Henry fantasy owners who were in the playoffs were kind of upset that uh, Tannehill got those two rushing touchdowns and, you know, in the red zone. So, um, they were not happy about that. But all in all, a good game from Derek. And then, your two studs on the outside, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Uh, Corey, four catches, 110 yards, and the one really long 75-yard um, pass from Tannehill. And that was, if you guys remember, the Lions scored um, their second drive, that touchdown, to tie it up 7-7. And the first play for the Titans on the second drive, one play, touchdown to Davis. Um, yep. So that was that was pretty fun. Um, and then A.J. Brown scored a touchdown as well in the fourth quarter, kind of garbage time. Um, but – to say all that, I mean, that is like the normal for the Titans, those four guys. Um, I want to talk about a, a few guys that kind of stood out to me on Sunday, and I know you guys will probably agree with me. Don't know why he didn't get more touches in the first half, but Darrington Evans in that fourth quarter, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, um, made the most of his touches. Eight carries, 30 yards, um, but he had a couple catches at the backfield too, two for 27, and he caught that one touchdown at the end of the game. Um, but just in that little bit of time we saw Darrington Evans, I was very excited for what the future looks like for him. That uh, that catch he made going up the, the right-hand sideline, uh, and then he put that little spin juke move that he did uh, to gain like five extra yards, that's huge. Uh, and that's going to go a long way to keeping him in this league, I think. He's a, he's a dynamic threat, I think, out of the backfield, uh, both rushing and, and catching the ball. And, uh, you know, we were we we're very high on him, you know, at the beginning of the season and, and going into the season, but we didn't get to see uh, any output from him because of the injuries and stuff. But, man, he uh, he looked awesome on Sunday and and really adds another threat uh, to the offensive package. It's it's kind of a lightning and lightning backfield now because Derrick Henry's lightning on his own. Uh, but but Darren can really hit you in a completely different way. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see him get integrated more into the offense and uh, we didn't even mention his return ability, you know, uh, yeah. he's back there returning the kicks now. Uh, so maybe we'll see him, uh, make some, make some plays happen there as well. I think Darrington has already shown in his little mini games as he's played, cause he's been hurt most of the year, way more efficient than what Dion was. And it's proven that it's working too, because you saw when Derek had to sit on the sideline, they rested a little bit. The Titans are putting the game away with Darrington. Yeah. on the offense they don't have to rely on Derek the entire game like you mentioned yeah I think if you guys go back and watch Darrington Evans kind of his college film he I mean, he wasn't just a pass catcher I mean he could he could pound the rock on the on the ground too um so he 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 can definitely you know run the ball and, and kind of be that closer not like Derek is but in a sense if um I think Sunday was the perfect game you know you don't need Derek in to get a first down Darrington can do it um, and the Titans are so dynamic in so many ways. Play action, he can be there at the backfield too. So, um, yeah, I was very excited to kind of watch Darrington um, a little bit and let him kind of get his feet wet because he's missed so much of the season. So hopefully uh, 2021 is much bigger for him. Um, but I know Titans coaches had to be excited about that. Second guy that I know we want to talk about, 
first game of the season, Mr. Dory Jackson was back uh, for the Titans. And so, I, Brett, you went to the game. I was at the game. Um, he didn't – Dory didn't start the game. Ty Smith did. Um, I don't even think Dory played the second series either. Um, it was very odd how they kind of worked him in. Um, but he finally got out there and, you know, played solid. Uh, PFF had gave him a very high grade on Sunday. So um, he didn't um, look rusty by any means. But I also saw this too. And, Brett, I don't know if you saw this. It was the play that Will Compton got the forced fumble and the fumble recovery in the red zone. Adore came out that play. It was right before halftime. And he was on the sideline and looked winded. Had hands on his knees. He's looked entirely winded. So I think maybe just getting his legs back underneath him, uh, getting some conditioning in and a, and a game feel um, will be better for him. I'm glad he'll be – I'm glad Detroit was the game that he came back on because he'll not have to, you know, cover Devontae Adams um, this coming uh, Sunday. But, um, Chris, what was your first reaction, your first initial thoughts to seeing Adoree play for the first time? Yeah, I, I found it interesting that uh, his first few plays were in the slot. Uh, yeah. They kind of they worked him in slow and, and let him play in the slot, which we know uh, Adoree is very capable of. But <clears throat> I, he ended up with more snaps on the outside uh, as the game progressed. And I think he ended up with uh, 17 or something on the outside and like 12 on the inside. Uh, so they, they did work him into that outside role where he's best at. And, um, you know, I, I think there was one play uh, and it was uh, it was a dump off pass. Uh, but he had he had lost his man because he fell fell down he slipped, uh, but he quickly got back up and closed in and uh, you know I think the the receiver maybe ran one one yard after he caught it there because uh, Dory was able to close in on it so fast, and that's the kind of thing we've been missing uh, is that speed on the outside that can close, uh, and and we know Dory's one of if not the most athletic person on this entire roster, um, so to have him back you know and and to be able to have somebody back there that has the closing speed and, and the the athletic ability to match up with some of these uh, really strong receivers uh, opposite Malcolm. I think that's a, that's huge for us moving forward. That's exactly what I was going to say too, Chris, because I think the number one thing that you could notice was the quickness from a I don't, I don't, everybody expected him to be good and play well because it's a Jackson, but I don't know if everybody expected him to be that quick and jump back into it that fast fast and I think that's one thing that really complements the rest of the defense too like you said Chris he can jump around the entire defense and it allows Malcolm and it allows KB and it allows guys like those to spread out the defense as well because when you know you have somebody that's so quick and athletic like a Dory it complements everybody else and makes their job a whole lot easier yeah and you saying that actually sports something else I wanted to mention I, I found it very interesting that Kevin Byard had his best game of the season when the Dory comes back uh you know we said it earlier in the season exactly. on the podcast and that uh, KB's had so much instability next to him uh, that that he's really having to play uh, play a, a, a different style of football to to compensate for that, and it's not his strength. Uh, and so he was able to kind of get back to to who Kevin Byard is on Sunday. And not only did he not allow a catch, but he also had his first interception of the season. It's awesome. Um, yeah. So I think that speaks volumes of having a Dory back out there as well. I agree, and I also think too, guys. I mean. The secondary was still not at full strength. No Kenny Vaccaro, no Christian Fulton um, out there. So it was you down two more guys than what you were. I mean, even if you want to count Dan Cruikshank, who's on IR, he was also not available Sunday. So and and, and that's really worth pointing out, Austin, in that this this game on Sunday is very likely the first time that we'll see a full strength secondary the whole season. Yeah, because because Malcolm Adoree, 
uh, and Desmond King will probably be your starters. Uh-huh. Fulton and Ty Smith with depth. Uh, you know, the other guys with depth, Kareem Moore and those guys. And then having Kenny back next to Kevin with a, with Hooker coming off the bench, you literally have your full complement of the secondary that you've wanted all season there. On paper, it's a damn good secondary. Yeah, Amani Hooker's no slouch. And having him coming <laughs> off the bench is huge. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they – the, you, you know, we, we saw some of the capabilities of Fulton earlier on this season, too. So, to be able to have a guy like Fulton as your, your fourth corner in that situation is is massive. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out again, Kevin Meyer in his first INT of the season. That was huge and some, you know, trash time against Chase Daniel. It still counts. You, you still see one on the box score. So, um, shout out to KB for that one. Uh, I know it was long overdue, and he's been uh, been begging for one. So glad he finally got one. Um, other than that, you know, again, shout out Will Compton for the big stop on the goal line, the boy um, with that. So that was that was that was fun to see him. Kind of, I think Chris, you said that was his only defensive snap. Yeah, I, I think that was a, a John Glennon tweet. That's uh, hilarious. He played one defensive snap, and, and I mean, hey. That that's a that's a stud right there. Yeah, come in, you get on the field for one snap, and you get a fumble recovery. Awesome. Um, well, so to kind of piggyback off that, you know, we talked about last week in our podcast which Titans would make the Pro Bowl, and we all knew that Derrick Henry would be a lock uh, to make the Pro Bowl. But we also thought we all agreed that Malcolm Butler was the the second Titan. There'd only be two, and to be Malcolm Butler because at the time he was so high in fan voting that uh, we, we just assumed that he was one of the uh, the AFC Pro Bowlers. Well, we were wrong. The Titans had to. We were correct about that, but it wasn't Malcolm Butler. It was actually A.J. Brown, um, which I was honestly shocked and surprised to see. Um, maybe that's just me. Did, did you guys think A.J. even had a chance to get in? No. I, you no. know, I, I kind of did. Uh, sorry to jump in, Brett. I, you know, I kind of no, did good. because – I feel like AJ uh, out of out of everybody else on the secondary outside of or I'm sorry on the offense outside of of Derek, AJ's been kind of establishing himself as a national presence. Yeah, uh, you know shows talk about him all the time. They're always talking about him and DK and how they compare and how their relationship is and all this. So I'm not really at all surprised that AJ made it because a he had he has had a really good season, uh, especially from a touchdown standpoint. Uh, and, and B, he he has kind of that national following now that I really think legitimizes uh, those stats that he's put on the field. So uh, I I was surprised that Malcolm didn't make it after seeing him so high in fan voting uh, for the past few weeks. But um, really happy for Derek and, and AJ. It might honestly be a fact that we're not used to having a national legitimate player on the roster <laughs> that it slipped by our minds and that's why. AJ would get in because Chris, you made good points about how they talk. I've seen them talk about him on Get Up, First Take, Good Morning Football, all over the place. And now that you think, now that you say that, like you said, Austin, we all said, hey, it's going to be Malcolm, it's going to be Derek. And I guess it's just what we all expected. And I am surprised too that, that Malcolm did not get in, but I, I am a little surprised that AJ did get in just because if you look at stat wise, other than touchdowns, Corey's having just as good of a season. I think so, at least. Yeah. But like you mentioned, though, Chris, he's become that 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 star across the league of him and DK, the, the next great wave of wide receivers. And honestly, that's probably why he got in. I think another reason why he got into it, I think this is my uh, opinion on this. I think the NFL needs to do away with the AFC-NFC Pro Bowl 
um, voting. I think it just it, it's who the top guys in the league are, no matter what. Um, kind of like the NBA. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They do. They do. Now you're right, Brett. It's team Giannis, team LeBron. It used to be East West. Um, but I think facing facing anything on conference alignment. Yeah. outside of scheduling is the dumbest thing that sports do because it's not it's not fair to the guys i mean yeah maybe the nfc is more loaded than the afc um that doesn't mean that the nfc if the nfc has the top eight wide receivers in football they should all be in the pro bowl and that's kind of what it looks like this season if you guys go back down the list of nfl receiving stats i think that's why aj got in um because he is 20th in the league in receiving yards um now he's like fourth tied for fourth um uh, maybe even third here and in receiving touchdowns but I mean there's so there's 19 other guys ahead of him in receiving yards um you could you could have argued that um Allen Robinson could get it over him you could argue that um Amari Cooper could have got it over him um but that's because they are in the NFC and because AJ's one of the last guys uh, top guys in the AFC that's why he got in so um, also, if you are hearing like jingles on your radio right now, it's because I'm, I'm wearing a uh, Christmas sweater. So sorry about that. Uh, if that's getting annoying to you, I apologize. But we're festive on this podcast. So, um, I, I, again, I, I'm not discrediting AJ. AJ deserves to get in. But I also think that in the grand scheme of things, there's so many guys who were snubs, uh, snubs, what? Snubbed. Uh, from getting in the Pro Bowl, like Tannehill, like Malcolm Butler, and you can name a lot of other guys. Evan Ingram, who I told you guys about through text, Evan Ingram over Robert gets, Tanyan, yeah, he has one touchdown in less less than 600 yards receiving, but Robert Tanyan has about the same amount of yards and 10 touchdowns, but doesn't get in. It makes no sense how this has happened. I think fan voting has a lot to go into it too. A bigger market for a more popular player, they're going to vote more for Evan Ingram than they are Robert Tanyan. Uh, from a national landscape. So I think that has a lot to go into it too. But all in all, I think fan voting is ridiculous. I know I vote maybe once a year, and I, that's that's about all I do. And I vote all Titans in. I don't know about, about you guys, if y'all vote at all either. But, um, yeah, two Pro Bowls for the Titans when other teams who are not even making the playoffs have more players in. So it, it never sits well with me. I don't know about you guys. No, I'm the same way. I, I mean, it's, it's – it's just- uh, it's a popularity. I think contest. it comes from more of I think I think the teams just want respect, honestly. It is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that we you saw what the Titans did to the Lions on Sunday. And the Lions had three pro, pro bowlers and yeah. the Titans had two. Like, how does that make any sense? This is a team coming off an AFC championship appearance. It's a team who's uh leading its division right now, and to have two pro bowlers is honestly ridiculous. Baltimore you know, and Kansas City both have seven. Exactly. Um, the Titans have a better record than both those teams. Do, do the Baltimore does do the Ravens deserve seven Pro Bowlers this season? No. I would say absolutely not. I don't think so either. And I think I mean another thing you could argue Ryan Tannehill. Why did he not get in the Pro Bowl? Um, yes, his yards are 14th in the league, um, but he's accounted for 35 touchdowns and five picks. Um, where you know. Deshaun Watson's having a great year, but his record is nowhere close to Tannehill's. He's got more yards than Tannehill, less touchdowns, and more picks. It's just there's no rhyme I would, or I would say, to any of it. I would say overall there are probably eight Titans deserving of the Pro Bowl. That's the two that made it, Derek and AJ. Um, Tannehill, the three interior linemen, Saffold, yeah, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, Jeffrey Simmons, and Malcolm Butler. I think all of them should have made it. Uh, and and I think they've all had Pro Bowl level seasons. 
Um, the fact that they didn't is because they're they play for the Tennessee Titans, and we get no love. I think the I think what's what's not making me as upset about it this year is that Curran doesn't get hurt. You can make it nine because he's he's almost yeah. going to get in every single year. That's true. You're true. True. And and if you had uh, Westbrook Akeen. Akine uh, out at Gunner all season. You might have him as a special team right. too, because he played incredible on Sunday. I think something else that like has made me not as pissed off is that there's no true Pro Bowl this year. I think they're playing Madden or something like that. Um, so they're not actually going to Orlando or Hawaii. So it's like a, it's a virtual Pro Bowl. So it's almost just as if it's going to go on their Wikipedia page that they were a Pro Bowler this year. So it's 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 nothing you know too Maybe. too crazy. Some of them will probably have, uh, you know, some contract bonuses coming in. Exactly. Because they get Pro Bowl by their name now. That too. So, um, well, on top of that, those guys that we mentioned should, you know, be Pro Bowlers. Um, Chris, I'll go ahead and let you talk about the um, update on the yardage. We went over it last week with where the guys are at and kind of how many, you know, Derek's trying to get 2,000. Corey and AJ are trying to get 1,000 to be the first duo of Titans receivers since 2004 to, to, to hit that mark. So, um, I will let you uh, talk about it. Yeah, I'm actually going to start with the quarterback, too. Uh, you know, Tannehill's trying to go for 4,000 yards. So he's 518 away. Uh, and then we talked last week about how uh, George Blanda has the franchise record for touchdowns uh, with 36. So uh, Tannehill's five away from tying that. So he would need six uh, for the uh, in the last two games. So uh, he just he, – I think that's doable. Yep. Um, and, and that's something, you know, we talk about the hot streak Derrick's on, but Tannehill's on a hot streak himself. Um, and then when it comes to his receivers, uh, Corey got way closer uh, after his performance last week. So Corey only needs 55 yards. Uh, so, uh, you know, about 28 over the last each of the last two games. That's more than doable for Corey. Um, and then AJ needs 119, which, uh, you know, we've seen, and Austin, you and I have talked about this, uh, we've seen AJ one game, Corey the next. AJ one game, Corey the next, and and if that continues, then you know this is AJ's week. So uh, AJ needs 119, and then the king himself, Derek, needs 321 yards to get to 2,000. Uh, so he would need to average 161 yards over the last two games, uh, which we also know is is more than doable for Derek in December. So let's talk about that real quick. The last time I asked you was two podcasts ago. Um, the Titans mm-hmm. had four games left. It's before the Jacksonville game. I asked you, does Derek hit 2,000? I said no. Chris, you said yes or no? I said yes. Brett, you said yes or no? I said no. Okay. Said no. So we said no, and I just thought it was, it was too out of reach. Well, he's kind of half that since the last time, you know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about it. And, I mean, looking at it now, with – Two of these defenses that he's about to play, um, the the Packers are, are, are decent at the run 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 defense, but the Texans are like dead last, I think, in run defense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack my statement. I'm gonna say this: if Derek can get between 140 to 160 Sunday night against the Packers, I think that no matter what is on the line for the division or not, I would think the Titans and Vrabel and Derek would want to try to go out there Sunday, the following Sunday against Houston to try and get 2000. That's just me. And I could be wrong. If the Titans had the division clinched up on Sunday, then you almost want to argue that, no, there's no reason, you know, rest everybody 
Yeah. And Vrabel's kind of hard to read in that regard. I know. I agree. He doesn't act like he publicly cares about like personal stats and stuff. But like, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Derek was close to 200 and his teammates were telling Vrabel, hey, he's close to 200, Vrabel let him go out there and get it. You know what I mean? So I don't, it, Derek would be what, the sixth player in NFL history to have 2,000 yards? Seventh. I think CJ was sixth. Seven. Okay. Yeah. So how can, how, it, you know, this league's been around a long time. Yeah. How could Vrabel look at that and be like, man, he only needs 160 yards. Let's do it. Let's go get it. And we know when Derek has games like that, we usually win, right? So I don't, I don't, you putting myself in Vrabel's place. Sure. I, 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 if, if Derek needed 160, I'd be like, let's go get that motherfucker. You know what I mean? How would you not? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would think if, if I was in Vrabel's position, I'd do it. I think Derek very well could top 150 this week. Yeah, I, I really I mean, do, the Packers yeah. aren't a good run D. They're not. I mean, the, there's a there's a very good chance that that he could come into that Texans game needing needing less than 150. And I was watching uh, the herd earlier. I always watch the herd. I tell you guys about that all the time. Um, I love watching that throughout the day. But Nick Wright was um, filling in for Colin today, and Nick Wright called Derek Henry the best NFL running back since Adrian Peterson. I guess when, you know, when Adrian Peterson was in his prime okay. and the whole AP. So that's, that's big talk. That's yeah, big absolutely. Talk. You know, hearing that, I, you know, I debated, I was thinking about this like an hour before we started the podcast tonight. And I was like, I almost want to say this, but it feels too early, but I'm going to say it. I think Derrick Henry is the best running back in Titans history. So I did, listen. Ooh. I didn't want listen. I did not want to talk about that just <laughs> just yet. I want to say that for a whole another podcast, Chris. So I'm not. I don't want to go into that yet. But I want to. Th- I want us to think about that and really yeah. dive in and find us the real answer. Your 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 own answer because Chris, I almost I almost want to lean your way too. But like if you just go down and look at everybody's stats year by year, I want to have a. I want you guys to think about it and have a real. Um, you know, real answer for the next time we talk about it. Cause I, on the spot, you might say something you don't mean. So we'll wait like until a couple podcasts, maybe when the season's over and see how um, Derek's season actually went and to talk about it. I, I do want to, I do want to have that deep discussion. And I, talk do, about I do too. And, and maybe we dedicate a whole episode to it. Maybe we do two episodes a week that week or something where we just do a Derek Henry podcast. And, you know, I really want to mm-hmm. talk about some of the historical achievements that he's had because Derek is doing things that, we see right now and we're like, wow, that's really cool. But like a couple years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, we really didn't Historical. appreciate that. Um, I, I really think Derek is doing yeah. something that will go down in NFL history as one of the greatest achievements in, 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 in the whole, in all of running backs out of all the running backs. And, you know, I think, I think we really need to, I think we do need to spend some time diving into that and talking about it because, uh, you know, just today uh, he was named FedEx ground player of the week. And that's the fourth, that's the fourth time in the last five weeks. Like who had, what NFL player has runs like that? Um, And he did it last season too. That's the crazy thing is like, this is not like just Derek, you know, doing this for the first time ever. We've seen this back-to-back seasons now where he is doing historically what no other running back has ever done. Yeah. Have you all seen that video of Saquon Barkley when he's sitting on the sideline talking to his teammates and he's like, hey, bro, that's, that's Adrian Peterson over there. 
I think that we're probably already at that level of Derrick Henry when there's a new guy like DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I would not be surprised if like here in a couple of years a video comes out and he's like, hey, that's that's Derrick Henry over there. We're we're to that level now of Derrick Henry to where he is he is like when he steps on the field, kind of like when Tiger Woods steps on the golf course or when sure. Kobe Bryant stepped on the court. When when Derrick steps onto the football field, you're at that level of like you're like, oh whoa, hey, this that's Derrick Henry that's stepping on the football field. That's a really good point, Brad. I actually, I, I, I agree with that. And I even think not even like running backs, but like defensive players too, who don't want to face Derrick Henry. Said the same thing. Like, God, I can't tackle this man. Or you know, I'm not, I'm not getting stiff on today or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's what this has come to. Yeah. Time out, real quick. Let's talk about the fucking stiff. Excuse my language. This stiff on we have not discussed yet. I think that listen, I think that was worse than best performance. One. That's the best one. It's the best one. Oh my god. And so I actually I had the perfect view for it. So, so I had you can hear him. You can you can hear the thud. Yes. Yeah. I, I had a great seat for it. It, it actually happened. I was, yeah, you can hear it. I, I got very blessed Sunday. I sat club level, uh 45 yard line on the Titan side. And it happened right there, the 40-ish yard line, 35-ish yard line. And to see him kind of just play the outside run and and wait for the defender to get to him. It's like he wanted it to happen. He knew what he yeah. was about to do. Others have just kind of been like, the defender's about to tackle him. I need a stiff arm to get him out of the way. No, Derek, yeah. like, like you know, almost like pointed the finger, like, come here real quick. And <laughs> wanted that to happen. It was insane to watch. My favorite. It's better than Josh Norman, in my opinion. Better, I think so, too. Better than any of the Jags stiff He buried like, him. That was I mean, he put crazy. him into the ground. Oh, absolutely. He sent he sent Josh flying. You know that was cool. He he drove <laughs> drove him into the ground. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. That TikTok that AJ made of a roll that doesn't work because that's exactly what they tried. So there's there's no way to do it. Yeah. Going All back right. to what you were just talking about, though, uh, you know, I I wanted to pull this tweet up. Melvin Gordon tweeted uh during the Jags game uh actually so before before that stuff form even happened he said this dude Derrick Henry boy what the hell are you doing for pregame warm-up goodness keep balling bro so like this and, and Melvin Gordon's the same age as Derrick I think you know they, they came into the league about the same time so this is a guy that it has is at Derrick's you know age and, and level yeah. and, and even he's appreciating what Derrick's doing I don't know. I, we we need to dive deeper into that and have that have that discussion. I agree. It's definitely something we can talk about for a minute on a podcast. So um, I'm I'm with you there. But I do want to also dive in to the big Sunday night matchup against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. Um, I've been thinking like, when was the last time a game meant this much late in the season? Well, you had a few years ago the Titans were playing for the division against the Colts. But that was when Marcus was hurt and um, Blaine Gabbert started on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, it was a big game. It, it meant a lot. But I almost think this game means more um, now than that that one did. Um, and it's really because the Titans are facing Andrew Luck. I think we all knew that that was not going to happen, but we wished it would happen. Maybe, you know, a big upset would have, you know, happened there. But nothing came of that. And the Titans missed the playoffs. This – this this kind of tells the entire country that oh you know the Titans are for real like they're gonna give the, the Chiefs a run for their money like they they're, they're not playing around this year this is their time if you beat Aaron Rodgers who um, is also playing for the number one seed also playing for an MVP um, the Packers want to make their name known too that hey we will be in the Super Bowl as well this is a big game for both teams in their own you know own different ways. Um, 
so I am, I'm stoked for this. I'm gonna have a watch party at my house. Y'all are more than welcome to come. Um, but I mean, what exactly about the Packers worry you, Chris? Is there something that they do better than the Titans? Like what is, what is your first initial reaction um, about the Packers? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think that's the easy answer. Um, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is having an MVP level season. Uh, we know he's a, one of the best uh, best quarterbacks, in, you know, over the last few decades for sure. Um, and his, his uh, the way he spreads the ball around, uh, the way that he distributes to Devontae Adams specifically. Uh, I think Devontae Adams has twice as many targets as the second uh, receiver on their team. Um you know, the, those those two in that tandem um, is is uh, clicking really well this season, and and I think that's that's priority number one is to stop that. Um, you you got to either line line Malcolm up or or switch Malcolm and Adoree off of him and and get those stops with Adams. You know, uh, other than that, I think this is a very uh, beatable team. Um, their defense doesn't really scare me. Um, they, they do have some good edge pressure, I think, uh, with Smith back there. But um, other than that, you know, it, it comes down to stopping Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Jones is a really good running back. Uh, but I think it, the, 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 that offense starts and stops with Aaron Rodgers. So you get, you get him in a, in a little bit of a, a tizzy and, and uh, get some pressure on him, and you can completely throw him off his game, I think. So. But we also know that's the weakest part of this Titans offense is pressure. So, right. This game has the potential to just absolutely light up the scoreboard, honestly. Yeah. Because we talk about how many weapons that the Titans have, which they obviously do. But then you look at Green Bay, like you were talking about, Chris. You have Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Rodgers, obviously. You got Tanyan. You got Aaron Jones. They have solid weapons as well. So, this game definitely <clears> has the potential <throat> – to light up the scoreboard. And then they have Jair Alexander on the outside, which would has the potential to maybe slow up the passing game, but they don't have five Jair Alexanders. So that's where the weapons that the Titans have helps just as much. But I, like you were saying, I don't necessarily think there's so much that necessarily scares me about this team because we're at the point now to we don't have to worry about the Titans offense. At least I don't think so. So that's why I said that this game definitely has the potential to just absolutely light up the scoreboard. Like we're, we could honestly see like a 45 to 40, finish of John being on now I do know that it's probably going to be 30 degrees from what I'm seeing so it may not be that many points but the offenses will be rolling on Sunday night it's a good I point. think there's a chance of snow too yeah I mean people are calling it like it's gonna be like a frozen tundra kind of game it's gonna be freezing uh Sunday night and so a couple points with that um Glennon shout out John Glennon tweeted this today um first game between two teams averaging at least 30 points per game in week 16 or later in NFL history, the Titans averaging 31.1 and the Packers 31. So um, these teams are almost identical on offense. I think they're 1-2 in the league in total touchdowns. Um, so it's going to be offense heavy, you think. I mean, you assume that's going to happen. But also on that, uh, Derrick Henry is looking for his 10th straight road game with at least 100 yards, which would tie Barry Sanders for most consecutive in NFL history. Guys, I didn't say um, Jerome Bettis, who's a great. I didn't say Sean Alexander, who's a great. I didn't say, um, you know, Fred Taylor. I said Barry Sanders, who people think of who is the greatest football player, the greatest running back of all time. That's an elite. That is a, a special category to be in. Um, 
And I want to I, I say that to say this. I think this is a game perfect for Derek. You want to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, run the ball, own the time of possession. And so I think this could be a game where Derek could, you know, I think he easily breaks 100 yards. If you guys look at his like prop bets every Sunday, his prop bets are now like rising. It's like, will he break 121 over under? You're like, <laughs> I don't know, will he? Most likely. Probably. So, yeah. So, Derek so, in December, right? Exactly. D. Hembers is, is fully here at the moment. D. Hember. So, D. Hember in the words of Austin. Um, I think this is a great game for Derek, but I also, I also think, um, he just Titans. Ryan Tannehill's been so good. Like, why can't it be his game too? I say that week after week. You just never know what you're going to get on the Titans' offense, but they're always surprising you in new ways. Um, I think one of the guys that we really need to see a a really solid performance out of in this game is Jonu. Uh, yeah, Jonu's been primarily a, a blocker. I feel like the last you know uh, three or four games that he's played, and uh, I, I feel like this is a um, a, a perfect defense for for you to really take advantage of him uh, and his skill set. So I think Jonu needs to have a really solid game. Um, I, I think we need some solid production out of AJ and Corey when they get the ball as well. Uh, but I agree, Austin. It comes down to to this is a this is a uh, a match fit for Derrick Henry. Um, so you know Derrick needs to come out just I think busting through the line immediately. Uh, and, you know, he needs to get the ball rolling uh, early on so that when it comes to that second half and, and that period of time where, you know, you're running Derek down their throat, uh, we're up on the scoreboard, and, and that's not, you know, it's not, it's not something that you have to take Derek off the field. We also haven't mentioned that this is the first meeting between the Titans and Packers since Matt LaFleur has been the Packers head coach. So this is going to kind of be a pride game. I saw LaFleur talking this week. Um, to the Packers media, just how much he respects and admires Mike Vrabel, how much he learned from Mike Vrabel. Um, you got to think that LaFleur is going to want to beat his former boss. Um, and and, and uh, Mike's going to want to beat his, his buddy. So um, this is going to be a, a, a very, very good, well-coached game Sunday night. And so I think it's going to come down to time of possession. You're going to come down to turnovers, which the Titans don't do a lot of, knock on wood. Um, they have been very good this season in time of possession. I'm sorry, in turnovers, uh, different differential. Um, so, and and you know it's it's worth noting that Vrabel does a really good job of of the people he knows really well exploiting their weaknesses. Yeah, uh, I mean we we saw it. Yes. you know we saw it against Belichick. Uh, we've seen it against some of the other uh, guys. Bill, that he, Bill he O'Brien. Has, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he knows how to take advantage of, of some of those weaknesses and. And, you know, there, as much as he you – know, as long as he was with Belichick, I don't know that he was ever as close to inside of Belichick's head as he was to LaFleur's uh, because they were discussing game plans day in and day out together. You know what I mean? While LaFleur was here. So, the, I'm sure Vrabel knows some some weaknesses that he can really exploit uh, with this LaFleur offense. I think another huge piece is, first off, we're at the point now to where we don't even need to discuss pass rush anymore because we know that it's not going to happen. But I think that if you can contain the edge, so if you if you have to bring down Harold Landry on the outside, not necessarily in a, in, a, in a rush, but in kind of a gap coverage, and do the same thing with Sean Evans and some of the other linebackers and, and, and edges, you got to stop those screens to Aaron Jones, little dump offs that turned into 20-25, and the five-yard cuts to Devontae Adams that can turn into 30 because both of those guys are so good 
with turning up the field once they get the ball in their hands before contact, it's definitely something that you have to at least slow down and not let them go into that more for more attention of their offense. I think so too. Um, all good points there. Again, before we move on to our bowl predictions, make sure you are following us on Twitter at Second and Victory. Um, all right, so I was wrong last week. Brett was wrong, way wrong last week. And Chris, I know you. <laughs> I, was I know way you, off. I know you were too. Um, so I was close a, though. I was close. close. So this is why we keep doing it to try and get it right the week after. Can I, um, can, I can I say I went fifty percent on mine because I called the pick or no? Or I, I said four you, sacks and a pick. You said four sacks and can a I pick, go but 50? you did you did allude to Malcolm being that pick. So. Uh, that's true. That's true. So, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll take like five percent of it then. All right. Well, that works. We'll let you have that. Um, all right. So I'll start. I'm gonna go with. Sunday night, Chris, you tell me that A.J. Brown needs 119 yards? 119, yeah. Corey Davis needs 51 yards? Uh, to 55. 55 to, broke, to, to both break 1,000 yards? Right. All right, they both get it. So, Sunday ooh, night, ooh, the Titans, tight, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown both get 1,000 yards on Sunday night football. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to attack the backfield a little bit here. Uh, I think King Henry and Darrington Evans combined for uh, 220 yards out of the backfield. Mm. Man. I like it. I'm tired of getting these wrong. I'm tired of getting these wrong. <laughs> I want to keep going like super bold, but I, I also want to get one right. So It's I'm called bold predictions, Brett. Both. <laughs> that's Okay. All right. That's fair. Then both. I, man, man. It's going to be freezing cold, but I, I want to say that both teams are going to put up 30-plus. I really okay. do. Um, I, I'm going to go with it. Yeah, both teams, both teams are going to put up 30-plus points. So you're saying the Titans have a good game on offense and an awful game on defense. What else is new, Brett? Um, it's, about every, it's about every Titans game. All right. Well, I like it. Um, listen, from all of us at Second to Victory, um, we thank you for listening to our podcast. You guys are awesome. Um, we appreciate the, the uh, following. And uh, we wish y'all nothing but a a very happy Merry Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas to you guys. And uh, we will see y'all next week, hopefully, hopefully with a uh, division title on our belt. So um, I'm Austin for Chris, for Brett. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.